What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 144 of the Stand-Up Guys podcast. I'm, of course, your host, the incomparable Zach Jones, joined, as always, by the ninth wonder, Chocolate Thunder. They call him the Pie Man, so you better watch your hymen. The Cherry Bustin. Barely legal lustin. Oh, no. (laughs) He's never made a wrong call if there's grass on the field. Play ball. The phenomenal A.J. Sin. That's a new intro, huh? (laughs) I think I did it once, like, ages ago. Oh, okay. okay. (laughs) Oh, man. What you been doing this week, man? What's going on? Man, just chilling. Uh, been driving, you know, just trying to make some money. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anything just, good? Uh, yeah, just watching old Danny Gonzalez videos. He like does breakdowns of different movies, like Princess Protection Program and like these Disney movies. <laughs> okay, I got to hear about this. What is Princess Protection oh, Program? Oh, that was a movie between uh, Demi Lovato and Selena Gomez. Uh, they were like best friends at the time. So Disney was like, oh, we need to run on this and like, you know, make a movie out of these two. And so Selena Gomez is like this, I guess she works like a fishing shop or something. I don't know, some sort of uh, bait shop in uh, Louisiana. And there's no Louisiana qualities to this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And uh, Demi Demi Lovato is a princess from some very, very small, uh, I think, Latin country. Or they speak Latin. Okay. And... uh, yeah, she's like the princess, and there's like this coup going on in her country, and a general's trying to kill her, and she gets <laughs> she gets uh, taken out of there and put in this protection program with Selena Gomez, where she's staying at her house. It's just, it's a very good movie. <laughs> <laughs> in conclusion, two thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, you can tell where it goes from there. <laughs> I like how there's these YouTube channels that just find these like narrow lanes to go and like removing like Hallmark Hallmark Christmas movies or like Disney movies or maybe we should. That's what we need to do is really niche down, find (laughs) find some crazy lane that nobody's covering yet. Oh, that's the way to do it. (laughs) Oh man, Um, I haven't. Well. So I, I, I talked about last week how I watched that Korean show, um, right. Extraordinary Attorney Woo, which I still recommend, by the way. Great show. Mm-hmm. But because I did that, Netflix did this thing where it's like, hey, here's all these other Korean shows mm-hmm. you might be into. So I was like, okay, Netflix, I'll take a look. And so I decided to watch one of those uh, called The Silent Sea. I don't know if you've heard of it, about this. No. So basically, it's a sci-fi one where, like, the premise is, like, it's a little bit in the future, like, you know, global warming is wreaking havoc on the planet, like, the oceans are dissolving and stuff. So, like, there's this water crisis, basically, like, people are, like, severely rationing water. Mm. And so, basically, what we find out is that, like, five years before the show takes place, like, they sent a some uh, astronauts to the moon and they found water up there on the moon. Okay. But they ran some experiments on it on like a space station up there and everybody ended up dying. Oh. So like they put together this new team of astronauts and they're like cuz they know there's water up there they're like okay, we can't tell you like all the details but <laughs> you got to go of course, but you got to go up there but they kn- they know that like all the people died at least, okay. you know. So they go up there and they get to that space station and like of course like you know people start getting picked off and mysteriously dying mm. and like here's the thing it's not a bad show like it's competently done 
but like it's just a combination of things you've already seen before. Okay. Like I mean, just the like the the main plot of like you know global warming causing us to go off planet in search of some way to find humanity. Like that's been done mm. before. Like even like that was roughly the plot of Interstellar. I mean, they went about it a completely different way, but like you kind of seen that before. And then, like, the whole thing of, like, uh, oh, people in space, either on a spaceship or a space station and, like, like an alien or something, like, you know, something's picking them off the crew. Like, mm-hmm. so it's, like, it, it, it's not bad. It, it's just, like, a jambalaya of things you've already tasted before, kind oh, okay, of, you yeah, know. Yeah. And then I also thought the ending was not bad, maybe just a little anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it, it's totally watchable. Yeah. And then um, I also started a new Korean show uh, called The Glory. Okay. And I am liking it so far. I'm only like five episodes into this one. But basically the premise is this girl when she was in high school was like horribly like bullied Hmm. by this other girl in this group of kids. And I mean they like did really messed up stuff to her. Like basically like took an iron and like burned like her body. Like she has like terrible like iron marks like all over her body and stuff. And drove her, like, almost to the point of suicide, you know. But instead of killing herself, like, she kind of, like, vowed, like, I'm going to get revenge on these sons of bitches, right? Mm. And so, like, basically over, like, a 20-year span, like, like she ended up, because of those kids got kicked out of high school, so she, like, gets her GED, like, uh, I don't think it necessarily has spelled it out yet, but somehow it's like she ends up getting, like, uh, you know, I think she gets money or, you know, does all right for herself. But now, like 20 years later, she's like, like she's finally, and during this whole time, she's kind of like kept tabs on all these people she wants revenge on, you know? Mm. And so now it's like 20 years later and she's kind of like enacting her plan. And it's really interesting so far. Like I'm, okay. I'm liking it. Like um, a good revenge tale is always, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, good. I'm down for some revenge. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it might, uh, you know, crap the bed in the end, but so far, man, I, I'm, I'm digging it. Okay. Um, God, I, I was, uh, I, I was wondering if I had any, any other like stories from the small talk type stuff or shows, but I can't really think of any. Uh, so you want to get into story time? Yeah, this is my uh, first topic here. It's my favorite one. Okay. This is interesting. I, I don't know if this woman is half Indian or half white. I wanted to make a white joke about her because of this topic. It's very <laughs> funny to me. Um, woman deemed clinically dead after car crash claims she saw Snoop Dogg emerging from light trying to kill me. <laughs> okay okay that's a trip okay that seems like a very white woman thing to say <laughs> uh, those who have come close to death and have been lucky enough to tell the tale will often describe seeing a warm welcoming light at the end of the tunnel that's not the case for marianne Ruprai, which sounds like a very indian name uh when she suffered a life-changing spinal injury that left her clinically dead after a deadly car accident she didn't see any glowing lights or omniscient om- omnipotent beings she saw snoop dogg Who's to say he's not impotent? <laughs> Marianne and her sister had been driving home from a friend's house. Had been driving home from a friend's house, uh, a friend's wedding, after they got into a horrific car accident. Although she has no recollection of what actually happened after the harrowing crash, she does know what people have told her about it. Uh, but her brain tells a totally different story. In reality, Marianne's injuries were immediately life-threatening, and her, her heart stopped multiple times, both at the scene of the accident and in the hospital. She had to be resuscitated by emergency service before she was put in a induced 
in induced coma. On three different occasions, she was clinically dead, but Marianne remembers things differently. Marianne saw Snoop Dogg during her near-death experience. I thought after the accident, we drove home and went back to my parents' house, and my mom and dad were there. Obviously, this didn't happen, so that was in my mind. Suddenly, she remembers being put into the cargo hold of an airplane, where it was so bright and really, really cold. Suddenly, her memory flashed to a scene with her brother and her fiancé, Andy, uh, where they angrily spoke about wiping their hands of someone supposedly Marianne. Uh, Things get even weirder. Uh, I remember just sitting in a chair, and then I heard these voices, and I looked down, and I could see a light from the door, like a back entrance to a club, she recalled. And I have have no idea why this person was there. I just can't work it out. But it was Snoop Dogg. (laughs) He had his entourage of people with him, and they were looking to kill me. (laughs) I remember the fear. I was so scared. I tried not to make a sound, petrified that she's been seen or heard by Snoop Dogg and his crew. (laughs) Marion tried to stay, stay quiet, but the chair she was sitting on had started tearing away from the wall behind her and was was about to fall with a crash when she suddenly woke up when she did wake up it was understandably it understandably took marianne a while to make sense of things believing at first that her whole family had left her and that she was in some sort of psychiatric ward i didn't quite understand what was going on then my mom and dad told uh, walked around the corner and i can tell you how happy i felt when i saw them suddenly going from being hunted down by snoop dogg to embracing your mom and dad would have probably been a relief to anyone to be fair uh after recovering from her experience marianne set up a rupri spinal trust to support others affected by spinal cord injury she'll always have a strange sense of what any sort of afterlife might bring um a lot of people have asked me did you see the light at the end of the tunnel no i didn't there was no tunnel she said they say did you see any loved ones and i'm like no i just saw snoop dog really <laughs> <laughs> what? I, I gotta believe she's white <laughs> sure her name wasn't karen <laughs> sounds like a karen nightmare like just fear snoop dog at her death like, <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i saw the grim reaper and it was snoop dog <laughs> Oh, that one made me laugh. <laughs> I mean, I bet when your like brain goes through trauma, like you can really see some strange stuff. Yeah, it probably just melts. Like you're probably seeing whatever your brain can just conjure up at that moment. It's just random stuff, I would think. Maybe old distant memories conjured, like mixed with like thoughts and imagination, right? Yeah, man. Have you ever um, watched that um, show that used to be on Penn and Teller's bullshit? No, I didn't see that. Um, I don't think I've seen every episode or anything, but they had an episode about like, you know, near death experiences. Cause you know how a lot of people do say like, oh, they saw the white light. Well, like they talked about how like, you know how astronauts have to do that thing where they like get in the centrifuge and it like spins them around like really fast. Like they'll report the same thing that they like saw light like that, but it's just like an effect from like the oxygen uh, or your brain not getting like enough oxygen or something. So like they can kind of uh, at least explain away like the oh. white light type of thing. But as far as like Snoop Dogg, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's no scientific explanation? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny like if we all see like multiple people like had near-death experiences and saw Snoop, Snoop Dogg. Dogg and then you'd be like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> we have to start asking him some questions. <laughs> Maybe he is omniscient and omnipotent. <laughs> Um, well, this headline caught my eye. 
Woman tricked girlfriend into thinking she was having sex with man, court hears. What? <laughs> um, a female victim has accused a woman of tricking her into having sex with her as she poses a man during a two-year relationship. No, that's stupid, Then, <laughs> Due to legal reasons, the victim, who cannot be named, claimed she had sexual intercourse twice with the man and even planned to marry him. <laughs> Blaze twice in two years? <laughs> that's the other thing. This is a bizarre one. Uh, Blade Silvano, which what kind of name is that? (laughs) The 40-year-old of Bishop's Castle is now on trial at Cambridge Crown Court and denies two counts of assault by penetration. The pair met online in late 2016 after Silvano updated uh, their status on a dating site as man looking for woman. They met in person in December of that year. After eventually deciding to get married, their wedding was postponed due to the defendant's supposed illness. And then two years later, the defendant claimed she discovered Silvano's true identity on Facebook in September 2018. Uh, Silvano denies all accusations. Throughout the defendant's testimony, the woman continued to refer to Silvano as a man, saying, I've only known Blade as a man. Uh, The court heard... uh, They had first met on the dating site Plenty of Fish in 2016, and the alleged victim denied she had identified herself as bisexual on her profile, or that she uh, had any sexual interest in women at the time. Defense barrister Deborah White asked her, did you tell uh, her your sexual fantasy was to have sex with a woman? And she responded with a no. White argued the name Mendez was also part of a fantasy that was created by the two of you and was chosen because it was the surname of a football player. Uh, She said it wasn't a real relationship. It was an opportunity to explore another part of her character. The communication was role-play fantasy. The alleged victim responded, it felt very real when emotions got involved. I was not acting on my behalf. Um, the, the trial also heard details of their wedding preparations, which the defense again argued was uh, all part of their role, role play. White added, during your relationship, you told police there was talk of marriage. Quote, that was again all part and parcel of the fantasy between the two of you. It wasn't real, was it? The discussion was a fantasy and escapism. You were making arrangements to marry someone that you say you had only seen on a handful of occasions. The alleged victim responded, It was Blade that asked me to marry him. Based on him asking uh, me, we made arrangements. The defense barrister continued, Because you have never met in the flesh and she has never been to your house, all communications were via a mobile device. Had you met in the flesh, you would have known that Blade Silvano was a woman. The alleged victim responded, that is incorrect. I've only known Blade as a man. Savano's true identity was un- uncovered in September 2018 when her contact synced on a new Facebook account and came up with a different surname for the defendant. The trial is currently ongoing. I mean, they blaze past some stuff here. Like, uh, the whole uh, two counts of, like, unwanted penetration or whatever. Yeah. <sighs> How could that have happened if they're saying that they never met? Well, I, uh, yeah, that confuses me. They apparently had to have met... A couple, unless like this person saying they never, maybe that's part of their defense. But like, I don't know. It's so confusing to just the fact that they knew each other for such a short time. Like apparently, most of their contact was online. Mm -hmm. But it's, I'm guessing, I'm I'm thinking there's something to that. Since, uh, (laughs) but like, God, 
first of all, if they did have sex, like, how do you have sex with somebody? Like, did she just have, like, a, a strap on, like, hidden and was, like, That's what look? I'm thinking. Lights off, maybe? Lights off. It would have on. to be. <laughs> Lights off, strap on. Like, that's the first suspicious... Like, who's still doing that? Who's, like, okay, let's turn off the lights and then take off our clothes and have sex? That's the weirdest <laughs> thing. And And also, like... I'm surprised how easily people agree to get married. Yeah. Like, they barely have to know a person. They'll be like, let's get married. Yeah. It's, I don't know. The whole, this whole thing is just so bizarre. Like, I wish they had more details here because I'm like, it just makes no sense. Like, Mm. (laughs) Uh, this person just sounds like a, like a pathological liar though i think this is a picture of blade it just looks like a really ugly woman yeah blade looks like a woman it's when, i mean I, I could definitely see like uh her disguising herself as a man though <laughs> but ugh, ugh. either uh, way like she looks like a lesbian <laughs> can you imagine being on the the jury of this court game <laughs> at least it'd be entertaining yeah, i guess so but I'm almost hoping there's a follow-up to this story where we get more details, because that's... Blade. What a cool name you picked. (laughs) Blade Silvano. (laughs) Yeah, that's the other thing. I wonder, if is that a real name? (laughs) Like, I need a masculine name. Blade. Right. It was like she was watching American Gladiator. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. Blade? Blaze? (laughs) Um, God. All right. I guess I'll send it back to you. All right. Let's see what we got here. Uh, this is a topic I had from last week. Let's let's use this. Um, woman says she put part of her knee into spaghetti and fed it to herself and partner after surgery. What? Yeah, it's pretty disgusting. This, this kind of reminds me of those stories of like women in Louisiana who like cook red foods and put their menstruation. Oh, stuff in yeah, I have heard of that. They use it to like try to, I guess, make people fall in love, like a love potion sort of thing. <laughs> um, all right, if you're a nervous, if you're if you're of a nervous disposition, this is not for you. I'm all for not trying new things, exotic delicacies, strange flavor combinations, whatever, but this is really the limit. And one of them is eating parts of your own body. Now, it's one—it's nothing for moms and dads to eat the placenta following the birth of their child. Hell, Tom Cruise was all over it back in the day. That's yes. <laughs> Speaking in the mid nineties, the Hollywood legend said that he thought it was a great idea. Uh... I'm going to eat the placenta, Maverick told the outlet. I thought uh, thought that that would be good. Very nutritious. I'm going to eat the cord and the placenta right there. Maybe that's why he looks so young. Yeah, maybe. However, celebrity endorsement aside, one influencer went a step further and when she decided to eat part and she decided to eat part of her knee and feed it to her boyfriend. Uh, Paula Ganu recently underwent surgery on her leg, during which she decided to have a local anesthetic and and stay away from. So stay awake so that she could chat to the surgeon about what she was doing. Uh, speaking to the Club 113 podcast, the 30-year-old then revealed that the, after the surgery, the doctor asked if she wanted to keep the bit of cartilage. Paul said, I told him yes, and I want." Uh, and he put what he removed into a small container like those used for urine samples. He put it in alcohol so it would stay that way for as long as I wanted. A week later, I was with my partner at the time having a jokey conversation. The 30-year-old dropped the cartilage into some bologna. I wanted. I told him I wanted to eat it because it was part of me and I had to put it back in my body. That's stupid. Paula <laughs> then went uh, on to explain that she had made a bologna sauce or bologna sauce, uh, which she later added to the piece of cartilage and served to her partner. I wanted to be able to say that I'm that in my head that I've eaten a piece of my own meniscus. She said she recalled. 
Justifying her bizarre addition to what was most likely a lovely pasta dish, Paula claimed that loads of people eat all sorts of bones in different parts of animals. So why, she asked, is it any worse for her to have a gnaw of her own body parts? Uh, I bet you're looking at your partner's pins now and imagining what wonders you could rustle up in the kitchen, aren't you? Let me ask you this. If, let's say you were in a long-term relationship with a girlfriend, like several years, and she sprung something like this on you, like, I want us to eat a small part of my body together. No. No, I mean, that's just straight-up cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> it's very odd. <laughs> but the human, he, like... You're not supposed to eat human meat. It's just, it's really bad for you. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, I mean, there there have been tribes, like, in parts of the world who do eat, like, you know, they're cannibals. Right. And it, it does stuff to their brains. Like, it messes them up a little bit, so. Are they at least cooking it first? Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> I don't know. If they're I think they are cooking it. <laughs> <laughs> you know how you're talking about the whole, like, Louisiana women, like, in the, the red sauce? Yeah. Um, was that at all a plot point in the princess? <laughs> oh, there was there was no Louisiana culture in that movie whatsoever. There's like one scene where she sells like bait to somebody, and that's pretty much it. Uh, that, 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 There's not a single black person in that movie <laughs> in Louisiana. They didn't even at least try that like Creole accent. No, that I don't think so. That's what I want to hear. Uh, Let's put Selena Gomez to the test. <laughs> I mean, you at least talk about the food or something in the movie, but no, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> also, what would you do if, like, um, like, let's say you were, again, with a girlfriend for several years, and then, like, you brought up, like, the whole, like, red sauce thing and how gross it is, and she's like, well, it worked on you. Oh, whoa. <laughs> I, I would need confirmation that it stopped at some point first. <laughs> like, are we still doing that? <laughs> <laughs> It's not that spaghetti tastes a little irony. <laughs> um, all right. This is just kind of a um, uh, an article about just various bits of like weird um, history. Um, uh, and it has a list here. Number one, urine as mouthwash. The Romans used urine as mouthwash. Can you imagine? Romans bought bottles of Portuguese urine as their rinse, thinking the ammonia in urine would whiten teeth and disinfect mouths. Even more disgusting, uh, urine as mouthwash remained popular throughout Europe until the 18th century. Uh, this is the weirdest history and the grossest. Um, Photoshop back in the 40s and 50s. It's true. Joseph Stalin used Photoshop well ahead of his time. Uh, he would retouch photos uh, usually to remove people who died or were removed typically in a violent way from the office. He was the first of his time when it came to this tech. <laughs> I just like the idea of like, uh, just giving you a heads up. Go ahead and remove that guy from the, <laughs> the painting or the photo. <laughs> um, the next, the only survivor. Violet Jessup, also known as Miss Unsinkable, was a stewardess and a nurse on the White Star Line trio of Olympic-class passenger ships. In addition to surviving the Titanic and the Britannic disasters, she was also aboard the sister ship, the Olympic, when it hit a British warship in 1911. I mean, I think we've found out she was sabotaging those yeah. ships. <laughs> she was fucking working for somebody. <laughs> I guess they just... Did you see recently they just did some weird, like... Really detailed, like, 
um, 3D modeling of the the Titanic, like as no, it sunk no. underwater. Mm-hmm. I only seen like some photos of it. Like I don't know what they hope to gleam from that. It would be funny if they're like, oh, it wasn't an iceberg after all. I mean, yeah, what are they trying to learn from this? Like, yeah, don't hit icebergs. That's the lesson. <laughs> that is the lesson. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It, it kind of cool. Um, the next one, China loves cement. China used more cement in a three-year span than the United States did in the entire 20th century. Interesting, interestingly, Bill Gates tweeted about it, but no one took him seriously. However, estimates from the U.S. Geological Survey indicate that Mr. Gates was serious. The U.S. used 4.5 gigatons of cement between 1901 and the year 2000. China used 6.6 gigatons of cement between 2011 and 2013. That's wild, China. Um, I wonder why that is. Like, why are they huge infrastructure projects? You think that's it? I mean, they are definitely, and they're not just doing it in their own country. They're doing it in other countries too. They're they're developing infrastructure in Africa and other places, and they're developing ports around the world. So, you know, they're yeah, they're they're doing a lot there. God, that's so much weight six point six gigatons, and that's just in a two year span. Who? Jeez, they didn't. Yeah, I mean, I heard about this years ago. You know, China was ramping up its infrastructure then, and it's it's been insane. Like every year, they do massive, massive work in their you know their roads and uh, buildings and stuff, building new cities and stuff. It's just that country is growing just exponentially. Isn't is China like still like more rural than like? I mean, the West. No, yeah, yeah. The West is like mostly like desert, you know, like it's not very ha- inhabited, like the the Northwest area. But um, most of the people live on the uh, eastern seaboard, like the side of the China. So and that's where uh, a that's lot more of like densely populated major cities and yeah. stuff are. Yeah. Uh, the next one, killer bunnies. Napoleon was almost assassinated by a horde of bunnies. Uh, thought of as a, <laughs> thought of as one of the greatest generals and conquerors to ever live, Napoleon Bonaparte was powerful on the battlefield. He forced the United Kingdom, Austrian Empire, Kingdom of Prussia, Kingdom of Spain, and various kingdoms of today's Italy, Dutch Republic, Russian Empire, Ottoman Empire. Kingdom of Portugal and the Kingdom of Sweden to join forces in order to confront him. Bunnies weren't scared of him, though. He had a rabbit hunt arranged for himself and his men. The chef set it up, uh, and they rounded up 3,000 rabbits for the occasion. As soon as the bunnies were released for the hunt, they all charged Bonaparte <laughs> and his men viciously and relentlessly. Oh, man. If Now that I know this, like, you know, they always had that question, like, if you could go back in history with a time machine, yeah. like, this is what I want to see. This is what I'd like to see. I want to see Napoleon and his men almost ripped apart by rabbits. <laughs> How is this an instinct for bunny rabbits? It's so weird. They they don't do this sort of thing. I, w- I didn't think so either. Maybe they're like, well, there's 3,000 of us. We got some strength in numbers right now. It's our only chance. <laughs> Damn, they're strategizing. <laughs> <laughs> um, pope Pius II and porn. The thing is, before becoming a pope, Pius II wrote a popular erotic book titled The Tale of Two Lovers. You wouldn't think a pope would go from erotic writing to the church, um, but in this weirdest history, it's true. I, I would think that. Yeah, you why think, not? <laughs> you, think that, you think that book holds up? Uh, I'm sure it does. He's probably had a lot of sexual encounters. <laughs> Popes back then were like, they had families and mistresses and all kinds. You know what's funny is that book is about two step siblings, and one of them goes, well, at least we're not blood related. Oh my God. <laughs> uh. 
Uh, next, apple flirting. In ancient Greece, if you threw an apple at somebody, it was thought of as flirting. The apple was considered uh, sacred to Aphrodite, the goddess of love. Throwing an apple at someone was to declare one's love. To catch a thrown apple was to accept the love of the thrower. If someone threw an apple at you, they were flirting with you. This is the weirdest history of love and flirting. I'm going to go throw an apple at a bitch and see what happens. Maybe she's like really hungry. She'll take it and you're good to go. (laughs) Uh, Next, Reagan, a lifesaver. Lifeguard turned actor turned president Reagan worked six summers as a lifeguard in Lowell Park in Dixon, working at the treacherous Rock River. News reports at the time and later research shows that he saved 77 people from drowning. Oh, he'd get fired today for that. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear? The, I just saw a story recently about this lifeguard who saved somebody's life, but he did it outside of the restricted area where he's supposed to be working. Oh my god! <laughs> so he got fired. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> like, oh, sorry. Can you drown just a little closer? <laughs> Swim this way, and then stop swimming. <laughs> <laughs> Um, next, no pearls for Tesla. Nikola Tesla, uh, was one of the most innovative and great inventors of the human species. He also had some pretty strange phobias. Tesla wore white gloves to dinner every night, priding himself on being a dapper dresser. He couldn't stand the sight of pearls and refused to speak with women wearing them. He even went as far as to send his secretary home if she wore pearls. (laughs) He was a fancy boy. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I mean, it's just like are pearl. Did he think pearls were like non fancy, or just he just like man, those look disgusting for some reason? <laughs> That's an odd thing. And finally, the last one: Would you hate honey? Why would anyone hate honey? Beyond a distaste for it, and living in ancient Egypt, servants didn't eat honey. In order to attract flies and keep them away from the pharaoh, the servants were smeared <laughs> with honey. How would you feel about honey if that was the case? I mean. <laughs> I can understand why those serpents didn't like it. Yeah. Hey, I'm getting, I don't like these flies. Let's uh, slather you guys up in some honey. <laughs> I guess if it was just commonly thought of as like, oh, it's this thing for attracting flies. Like maybe people had like an ill thought about it because they yeah. associated it with flies. Yeah. But man, yeah, the the Napoleon almost being killed by, by bunnies. That's a, that was a good one that I didn't know. That was it was worth it just for that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll toss it back to you. There we go. All right. Um man arrested after throwing lunch meat at Florida officer. <laughs> yeah. A man was arrested last week after he threw lunch meat at an officer according to body camera video shared by the Port Orange Police Department. <clears throat> uh police said that they were called to a smoke shop on Tuesday, May 9th after a worker reported a man disrupting the business and threatening workers. Uh, Once an officer arrives, the video shows him speaking with the worker who said she wanted the man, later identified as William Boosie, trespassed from the store. Uh, After the officer left the building, Boosie approached him. In the video, Boosie asked the officer a question about suing the Volusia County Sheriff's Office and the Port Orange Police Department. The officer told Boosie he didn't know anything about that and that he was uh, was there because the smoke shop worker said Boosie was bothering customers. The officer then tells Boosie that he had been trespassed from the store. After Boosie learned that he was trespassed, the video shows him staring or starting to become violent with the officer. Come on, expletive. You, You can't do it. 
I got a black belt in karate and a black belt in judo. <laughs> He's got a gun, man. You're going to give you in a world of hurt, Boosie told the officer. Moments later, Boosie is seen throwing uh, something at the officer. Police department said Boosie hit the officer in the chest with a piece of lunch meat. He was arrested and charged with battery on a law enforcement officer. He was taken to Volusia County Jail. I mean, battery, come on, it's lunch meat. That's not a big deal. Just take him in for disorderly conduct. Although I take it this guy was not black. Yeah, yeah. No, he would have been having a whole different situation. <laughs> yeah, he was an old white guy. <laughs> uh. Man, you know, some story you hear about some poor black guy that gets shot for doing nothing. And then sometimes you hear a story about a white guy that gets away with like so much that you're like, maybe he, he should have been shot, yeah. it sounds like. I saw one where these, these guys, like white guys, they were in a truck and like they were like literally fighting it out with officers. Like they were like really aggressive and everything. The cops were like, they were like more defensive and like trying to like calm things down. I'm like, <laughs> what is going on here? That's not what I'm used to. <laughs> <laughs> That was Florida, you said? This was Florida, yeah. Florida man strikes again. Yeah. Uh, let's see what we got. Man, okay, this story is, like, very depressing, but I found it a little fascinating in just how, like, um, people can really be true believers. Mm-hmm. Um, Indian couple beheads themselves in a horrifying ritual suicide. Um, a fair warning, this story deals with subjects that some people might find uncomfortable and disturbing. Um, okay. Let's see. Okay, a family from the state of Gujarat in western India recently fell victim to a horrendous tragedy. One Sunday morning, the children of, oh, I'm going to butcher these, Hamumbai Makwani, 38, and his wife, Hansabin, 35, discovered their parents' headless bodies. Uh, to make matters the- yeah. oh my gosh yeah. yeah, I told you, it's, it's a depressing story. To make matters worse, there are no... Uh, murderers to blame for their deaths. It quickly became apparent that the husband and wife had beheaded themselves. They they had constructed a gruesome contraption that was essentially a homemade guillotine. They willingly put their heads under the device's blade, severing them simultaneously, according to the Hindustan Times. The Makwanis committed suicide out of a religious fervor. The authorities say they offered their heads and, and lives as sacrifices to the Hindu god Shiva. Um, it doesn't seem like the macabre ritual suicide was a spur-of-the-moment decision. Sub-Inspector Indrajit Singh uh, Jadija from the police department of Vinchia uh, told Hidustan Times that the couple had been drawn to their religious practices a good while ago. According to Jadija, the victims had been uh, secluding themselves daily to a hut on their family farm for more than a year. Within the hut, they would offer prayers to the god Shiva at an altar, uh, knowing as Shivling they had constructed. Um, Shiva is one of Hinduism's principal deities, although his role varies between different strains of Hinduism. He's at times revered as a great creator and the supreme teacher of yoga, but also as a god of destruction. What exactly spurred the couple to take their own lives remains a mystery. All that is known is that the couple sent their 12 and 13-year-old children to their uncle's house the day before the suicide. Then, on the night between April 15th and 16th, they put their suicidal plan into action. The couple first prepared a fire altar before putting their heads under the guillotine. Uh, like mechanism held by a rope, explained Jadija. The fire pit called Havan Kund is used uh, to make offerings in many Hindu ceremonies. The usual offerings included 
aromatic spices, herbs, and food like butter, honey, flowers, or fruit. Uh, as soon as they released the rope, an iron blade fell on them, severing their heads, which rolled into the fire, said J- Jadija. Holy crap. Yeah, they got like a whole contraption. <laughs> I know. Um, the suicide note. To make matters worse, the ones to discover the Makwani's corpses would be their children. When they returned home on April 16th, they found the par- their parents in the secluded hut. According to the police, the victim's cell phones were found near their bodies, along with a suicide note. Unfortunately, the note sheds little light on why they ended the, their lives in such a gruesome manner. In the note, the couple pleads their younger relatives to take care of the children and elderly parents. Hamumbai Makwani further detailed that he trusts his brother and that his in-laws had never chided or reprimanded him. But why commit suicide? The note mentions that Hansabin was not well, but doesn't provide any further explanation. Hansabin Makwani's cousin, Jayanti Jatapara, was at a loss over the couple's motive. Talking to the Times of India, uh, Jatapara said they didn't face any financial difficulties, nor were there any arguments within the family. The police were equally in the dark, or at least wouldn't say anything. Despite the seemingly religious nature of the suicide, Jadija said the police hadn't confirmed for certain whether it was part of any superstitious or black magic ritual. Uh, We are recording statements of the family members and trying to know the reason behind the couple's extreme step, said Jadija. We will get a clear picture once we, uh, we record statements of all family members. Although the details aren't clear, no outside foul play is suspected. The police are investigating the matter as an accidental death. I mean... I was just amazed that in this day and age, like, I know there's religious people, but the fact that they could be, like, so into it that it would, like, such true believers that it would, like, convince them to do do this was just, oh, my God, I couldn't imagine. Well, I think it's just, like, obsession, you know? Like, they they became obsessed, it seems, and, like, that, that drives you to, like, almost contort the religion, and, like, that's, that's gotta be what this was, like... I, I would think so, but I mean the fact that they would even leave their like young kids behind. Yeah, I mean they they became yeah it's a religious fervor, you know. The, any ideology, if you just go into it so headstrong and like don't question anything and just just start accepting the the strange theories and stuff around it, like it's I don't know, it's dangerous, man. I know, and like I know nothing about Hinduism, but I mean. I'd be curious to know, like, because there's a ton of Hindus in the world, and I was just like, how yeah. many, are there others that commit, like, similar, like, ritual suicides? This is God, like, I've, I have not heard of this. Like, I'm not Hindu, but, you know, I would think, like, it'd be more common. They do, they do, you know, like, religious, yeah, everybody has their own religious, you know, culture and stuff like that, but uh, I, don't, I don't know about this. This is unique. And plus, uh, this sounds like they're trying to look into like, you know, mental issues and other stuff with these people. Like it sounds like the girl was having problems, some sort of issues. Yeah, they mentioned that the wife, which is quote, not well. I don't know if that meant like yeah. mental problems or other health problems. But I they mean, had locked themselves up for like a year in this small Yeah, like shed, hut. Whatever. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. it sounds like their kids were living there too. Yeah. And also the the plan, what was the plan here to have the kids discover them? Like that's I mean, I don't know if that was the plan, but they should have known that it was a real possibility. Yeah. Man, can you, like now those kids are traumatized for life. Can for you them. imagine you're like 12, 13 year old, years old and you walk in on this scene like your parents' bodies 
their heads decapitated, it, it burning up in this fire yeah. pit. I'm like, oh my God. It's almost like you can't imagine anything more horrific. Yeah, that's freaking horrible, man. I mean, geez, Alou. So yeah, uh, <laughs> hopefully you get something more uplifting than that. But I was just, I thought it was fascinating. Well, this isn't very heartwarming, but it's different. <laughs> okay. A hotel guest alleged he woke up to find the night manager licking his toes. <laughs> oh my God. A Nashville hotel guest was sleeping soundly when at 5 a.m. he woke up to find a man licking his toes. Now the hotel's night manager has been arrested, is accused of uh, sexual assault, and is being sued along with the hotel. The hotel guest, Peter Brennan, said he was he was woken up uh, to the disturbing scene. He immediately started yelling at the man in his room who fled. The suspect has been identified as David Neal, the night manager at the Hilton downtown Nashville, <laughs> according to Rocky Mulcahy Law, uh, law Firm. Um, Brennan told hotel security that the alleged sexual assault, uh, but uh, told the oh, hotel security about the se- alleged sexual assault, but they did not appear to take the complaint seriously. The law firm said in a news release, Brennan then called the police, uh, the Metropolitan National Police Department, who began investigating the March 30th incident. Last week, Neil was arrested and charged with burglary in connection to the incident. Brennan is in the is an Air Force veteran who was on a business trip in Nashville, and after the incident, he cut the trip short. His lawyers alleged Neil created a cloned key for Brennan's room to be able to enter it. They also alleged neither Hilton nor the specific hotel have apologized or responded to the law firm's request for surveillance video and data from the date of the incident. Hilton Nashville downtown is independently owned and operated by a third party, and no Hilton entity employs staff at this property. A Hilton spokesperson said. Um, a spokesman for the Hilton Nashville downtown said in a statement to CBS News, the safety and security of our guests and team members is our highest priority. We are working closely with the Metropolitan Nashville Police Department and are part of the company pol- as part of the company policy, we do not rec- we not comment on ongoing investigations. They also don't turn in the videotape and anything else either. <laughs> so I don't know how they're complying. Uh, the law firm says Brennan has suffered from severe and permanent emotional distress, embarrassment, past and uh, future medical expenses, and a loss of earning capacity, and is seeking damages in a lawsuit filed that last month. Wait, <laughs> earning capacity? Yeah. What he's like? I can't work anymore because this guy licked my foot. Like, all I am is a piece of meat to these people. <laughs> they don't take me seriously. <laughs> uh, It'd the, be funny if he was like, I just demand a full refund. That's it. <laughs> the law firm says Brennan has suffered from severe and permanent emotional distress. And, oh, I already said this. Yeah. Um, the defendant is also seeking punitive damages from Hilton to punish and deter the hotel chain from tolerating this kind of conduct. CBS News has reached out to Metropolitan Nashville Police Officer for more information and is awaiting his response. Um, in an interview with CBS affiliate Brennan uh, said he instantly went into a sort of fact-finding mode when he saw the suspect in his room who are you why are you in my room what are you doing here he asked I could see he was wearing a uniform he had his name tag on he was walking he was talking to me but not giving me any substantive answers yeah I mean um that's that's above and beyond service. <laughs> They'll come into your room and suck your toes for you. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine waking up to that? And also, like, uh, do you think, I mean, it, it was a bold move for that guy to even try. But, but part of me wonders, do you think he ever tried it before and got away with it? Like, he didn't wake up the person and he was just, like, licking their feet? I mean, I don't know. That's a tough one. Because, like, he got caught this time. And you suck on somebody's toes at night, they're going to feel it. Yeah? I would think so. You imagine you wake up in the morning and you're like, man, why are my feet so yeah. wet? Yeah, they're globs. <laughs> they're so shiny. <laughs> 
I mean, I mean, I've heard of people with foot fetishes, but this guy might must have had a bad to be able to try such a bold move and think he could get away with it. Yeah, going to somebody's room and I, a man's room, you know, like uh, it wasn't. He was into women's feet. He was into men's feet too. So he liked the big, grisly, nasty ones. <laughs> Maybe he saw this guy like walking through with like a pair of flip flops and no socks, and he's yeah. like, "Oh yeah, that's the one." Hey, dirt. See you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord. I mean, uh, I I totally like. Uh, like when he's saying like you know mental anguish and all that, I'm like, yep, that sounds right. But then the ability to earn, I'm like, mm, I don't know. That <laughs> yeah. one, that one seems like the extra that the lawyers just say, yeah, ask for that. Yeah, we don't, we won't get that one, but maybe we'll get something. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, I think uh, he was reaching for the stars. <laughs> Well, you want to go back to Depression Fest? <laughs> uh, I'm out of stories, man. So ending oh, on this. Oh one. no! Oh no! <laughs> well, okay, we'll see. This one's weird, too. Chinese man scares 1,100 chickens to death in a row over some trees. In China, there's a curious saying that goes, kill the chicken to scare the monkey. Basically, it means that you have to make an example out of something smaller to intimidate a bigger a bigger foe. We suppose that's what Mr. Gu tried to do when he uh, went after his neighbor's chickens. Only he managed to scare neither figurative nor literal monkeys. If he had, though, it would have been a lot of monkeys. Mr. Gu is responsible for the deaths of more than 1,100 of his neighbor's chickens. Um, let's see. Okay. Mr. Zong sued Mr. Gu and took him to court. The court sided squarely with Mr. Zong. Uh, Gu had been sentenced to prison for the uh, significant damages he caused to his neighbor. And it was all because of a bunch of trees. Okay. The Bizarre Saga begins in April of 2022. Um, at that time, Mr. Gu cut down some trees on the border of his and his neighbor's property, according to China Daily. However, that didn't go down well with uh, Zong. You see, the ownership of the trees is a bit of a blurry subject. According to Chinese media, the trees were the property of Mr. Zong. However, other reports uh, have stated that the trees did, in fact, belong to Mr. Gu. Whatever the truth may be, the Zong household strongly believed they were entitled to the trees. So Zong's wife took unto herself to have the trees uh, towed off Gu's property and into theirs. Now we have to say that we understand uh, why that would make Mr. Gu a bit mad. From his perspective, his a-hole neighbors had just stolen what was rightfully his. But instead of trying to resolve the row uh, through legal avenues, Gu decided to dole out some uh, DIY justice. Sometime later, in the dead of night, Gu snuck into the Zong's family property. It's not exactly certain what he was there to do. The only fact we do know is that Mr. Zong heard, uh, Zong's herd of chickens didn't like Gu's high-powered flashlight one bit. The light drove the chickens into a mad panic. Um, like headless chickens, the entire herd crowded into one corner away from Mr. Gu. As a result of the crush, around 500 of the chickens got trampled to death. After he found out what had happened, it was Mr. Zong's turn to be mighty pissed. But unlike his neighbor, he went to the police. Chinese police officers apprehended Gu and, after a brief investigation, ordered him to pay 3,000 won, about $436, for the damages. Gu, however, wasn't happy about having to pay. Maybe he felt the investigation wasn't carried out properly, or he was just salty about having to hand money over to the neighbor he, he hated. Well, at least he learned his lesson. Just kidding, he didn't. Out for revenge, Gu went sneaking onto his neighbor's property on another night. 
Uh, we want to say the result was the same, but it wasn't. This time it was worse. Whether intentionally or not, Goo managed to scare Zong's chickens for a second time. Despite the herd having 500 chickens fewer, the stampede was even deadlier than the one before. This time, an estimated 640 chickens died. Um, at this point, Zong had had enough. He took Goo to the court properly and accused him of intentionally killing his chickens. The court in Hangwang province agreed with Zong. The judges ruled that Gu had intentionally caused property loss to Zhang, uh, or Zong and had the loss uh, equal to a large amount. Indeed, it did. The authorities estimate that the 1,100 dead chickens set Mr. Zong back 13,480 uh, won, nearly $2,000. However, during the hearings, the court noted that Mr. Gu showed remorse for his behavior. Whether he was remorseful for doing what he did or getting caught, we can't know. Nonetheless, the judge took Gu's remorse into account when doling out the justice. I killed 1,100 I, chickens. I know. He said, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. Uh, he sentenced Gu only to six months in prison plus a year on probation. Um, out of curiosity, we tried to find out the estimated cost of the trees that caused the row. We couldn't find that out, but we figure it was less than the chickens. I mean, first of all, I did. I had no idea that like just like shining a bright light at chickens would like stir yeah, them up quite that bad. But I mean, the, he says he's remorseful, he but did he it did twice. it twice. He got caught and then he did it again. Yeah. So is he really that remorseful? You can't feel remorse if you go out and do the thing and then say, "Oh, I'm going to do it again, but worse." Yeah, yeah. If it was just the one time, I'd be like, "Okay, maybe, yeah. maybe he didn't know it was going to turn out as badly." This is a pattern. He's a serial chicken killer. <laughs> he is. Yeah. <laughs> committed like genocide yeah <laughs> but what a like i just thought it was such a weird thing to even like for him to think of like i need to get revenge on this guy oh i know a trick that'll kill a bunch of his chickens just the game plan it's just not smart though like what are you gonna get at the end trouble <laughs> fried chicken <laughs> <laughs> i guess so. man that is rough poor chickens um Okay, we got some time left, so I guess I'll do another one. Mm. Um, <laughs> this one's a little dark too, but uh, oh well. <laughs> this is um, the it's interesting though. The worst ways for a human to die, according to science. Oh, I've read this before. Oh, okay. Um, number one, buried alive. Oh yeah. You might assume that this is one predicament you could get out of in much the same way that some men reckon they could beat a uh, lion in a fight or win a game of tennis against Serena Williams. I mean, people think they could do that. I don't. <laughs> um, surely it's just a matter of punching your way out of the coffin and then scooping uh, your way uh, to freedom through a few paltry feet of dirt, right? Nope. While scientists, scientists disagree on how long you could survive if buried alive, their estimates ranging from 10 minutes to 36 hours uh, with very few people willing, willing to volunteer for the testing in this field. They do agree that you are almost certainly screwed. If you're buried in a coffin, you have to somehow get out of the sturdy box with your bare hands. And once you run out of oxygen attempting to do so, it's game over. Then you'd have to somehow force your way up through several feet of earth when you're a puny little human with no real space to deposit anything you dig out. All while it's crushing you. A daredevil who tried to escape from being buried alive managed to make it <clears throat> four feet before uh, almost dying and needing to be rescued. While famous escapologists Harry Houdini and Alan Allen also couldn't manage it. It reminds me of that scene in like Kill Bill Volume 2 yeah. where she's got to escape. Um, next, radiation sickness. Unsurprisingly, dying of radiation sickness is absolutely awful and there's plenty of scientific evidence to back it up. 
The victims of nuclear weapons and disasters are history's testament uh, to the ways radiation can kill you. Whether it gets you quickly or slowly, it's an agonizing process. Radiation can kill you very slowly and painfully, and one of the most gruesome examples of this is the death of Hisashi Auchi <laughs> after an accident at a power plant in Japan. After a week of doctors trying to save his life, he was begging them to stop, and at one point his heart stopped three times but was restarted after his family requested they keep trying to save him. Um, in the end, it took him 83 days to die as he cried blood and his skin melted off, <sighs> ultimately dying of or- multiple organ failure. Jeez. Good Lord. That is a that is a rough way to go. Mm. Next, pyroclastic flow. The most deadly part of a volcanic eruption, a pyroclastic flow, is the fast-moving cloud of gas and volcanic matter, which spreads out following an eruption. The flow travels so quickly that you can't outrun it, and they destroy pretty much everything in their path as they are able, uh, uh, capable of reaching temperatures around 1,000 degrees Celsius. Um, this is what smothered the Roman city of Pompeii and preserved the bodies there in whatever they happened to be doing at the time. While the heat would kill you quickly, your final moments would be absolutely awful as your skin would inst- be instantly cooked and there's even evidence of the heat from uh, pyroclastic f- flows being so severe that it makes people's heads explode. Some of the skulls of victims near Pompeii were found to have shattered and it's believed in their last moments the insides of their heads would have boiled before exploding. Um, I mean... That obviously would suck, but at least it would be quick. Yeah, it'd be pretty instant. I would take that over radiation sickness yeah. and, and buried alive. Uh, next, decompression. It's a good thing us humans live on the ground because we're not suited to live either really high up in the air or deep underwater, and pressure is a major part of that. We can explore the highest heights and darkest depths of our planet with pressurized vehicles where the internal cabin pressure is consistent and survivable, but if something goes wrong, it can spell doom for the occupants. On a plane, decompression uh, can mean oxygen deprivation or people getting sucked out of the aircraft depending on how much damage has been caused. Deep below the sea, the pressure of all that water pushing down on you is dangerous. And if you uh, rise out of the water too quickly, you can suffer from decompression sickness, also known as the bends. In 1983, a group of divers died from explosive decompression following a diving bell accident, with a study from the American Journey of Forensic Medicine and Pathology finding that three of the divers were instantly killed when the change in pressure caused the air and fluids inside them to expand, rupturing their bodies. The fourth diver was completely disintegrated, and the study notes that parts of him were scattered around the place, needing to be collected in plastic bags, uh, though his liver was recovered completely intact. Uh, When it comes to figuring out uh, what the worst execution in history is, there's a lot of contenders for the top spot, which isn't exactly a ringing endorsement of human beings uh, being nice people. There's a guy who was repeatedly dunked into a vat of boiling water after Henry VIII decided to change his punishment. And when uh, you're facing being hanged, drawn and quartered, it's hard to think uh, what could be worse. Dunked three times into boiling water, Richard Ruse was executed and people looking on were horrified. Then there was a Roman punishment, which involved a condemned person being stuffed into a sack along with a bunch of animals tipped into the river. Uh, So you drown and also get torn to shreds in the panic. Um... And those the, poor animals didn't do anything. <laughs> I know. And people got to leave animals alone. <laughs> I know. A lot of animal cruelty on this show. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally, sheer incompetence. 
Dying is not much fun in the first place, but if something is going to kill you, then you'd probably prefer they didn't make uh, an absolute mess of it. Spare a thought for a p- poor old Margaret Pohl, who took 11 swings of the axe to die, in large part because the main executioner was away on business, and the work ex- uh, experience kid made an absolute hash of it. Uh, she suffered multiple blows to her head and her back before she died. Yeah, which sounds like a horribly unpleasant way to be killed. Was this guy cross-eyed or something? <laughs> I wonder if they're like, boy, you do it. It's just like this little kid like, can't chop. <laughs> he can't even like hold the weight of the head. <laughs> he can barely, yeah, and plus he's like almost blind. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Hitting her back. <laughs> I mean, God. I don't know, like, would you rather die from the guy that couldn't chop your head off well or um, the vat of boiling water? (laughs) At least, like I said, the volcanic flow would be quick. Yeah, I'd go with the volcanic flow for now. (laughs) But if I had to choose one of these other ones, I don't know. I still think radiation is the worst. I mean, that one definitely takes the longest, Mm -hmm. or did in that guy's case, but... But I'm still ca- claustrophobic that bearing, being buried to death. Oh, yeah. Like, that one would be tough. Yeah. <laughs> These would all be tough, but I don't know. I honestly don't know if I had to choose between the 83 days of painful radiation or the 10 minutes of suffocating in a coffin. Mm-hmm. I don't know which I'd choose. <laughs> That's how bad the yeah. claustrophobia would be. Um, okay, we've got a couple minutes, and I have this old-ass article. I haven't even read this one, but at least it seems funner than these other ones. All right. Guy tried to uh, pay for alcohol with his penis is in trouble. What? That didn't work? (laughs) (laughs) Guy Willis, 34, was charged with the exposure, particularly that he intentionally exposed his penis, intending that someone would see them and cause... Uh, and to cause alarm and distress. This is a big no-no. He came to sentencing on Thursday, December 22nd at a Warrington magistrate's court where he was told his actions were, quote, highly unpleasant. (laughs) To open the case, a Crown Prosecution Service representative said that the incident occurred on April 30th of this year, so I guess last year, at about 1 p.m. Willis entered a convenience store in the Oxford area to buy some alcohol. When asked to pay, he dropped his shorts and underwear to his ankles and exposed his penis, asking, can I pay with this? The worker promptly told him to pull up his pants and pay for the alcohol. Willis was identified through CCTV, which recorded the incident, but gave no comment to officers' questions during his police interview after the arrest. Willis has six previous convictions convictions for 11 offenses as told to the court he pleaded not guilty to an offense taped on camera after the charge and was convicted after the trial uh in defense of his client and according to gary heaven it was referenced uh how nobody had to attend court to give evidence with this not being a situation where witnesses uh were put through the anxiety across the examination during the trial. I struggled to find from my experience a more misjudged example of buffoonery than this, he said. He was always going to be identified and come to the attention of the police. One has to question what on earth uh, is in his mind at the time. Mr. Heaven did state that Willis was drinking at the time and made a mistake in showing his penis, but he is no longer drinking. He also said that there were no other customers or children present in the shop at the time of the incident. Magistrate sentenced Willis to a community order, including 30 rehab activity requirements uh, days and a 90-day alcohol monitoring requirement. Uh, he is also ordered to sign the sex offender register for five years and, oh. pay, and pay the cost uh, 350 pounds. I mean, it 
it says he has six previous convictions for 11 offenses, but it doesn't exactly say what. Were these all like... Yeah, like was he nude then too? That's my guess, the way it's written. Mm. This guy's just a serial flasher, it sounds like. <laughs> all right, I think that will do it for our silly and or depressing show today. <laughs> Hopefully next week there'll be better news stories. But hey, that's that's a game you play when you do a show like yeah, this. You never, kn- take. you never know what the old roulette wheel is going to deal you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least some of these were fun, I think. Yeah. Um. All right, guys. Well, we thank you very much uh, for spending another show with us. We always do uh, appreciate it. Uh, if you will, please subscribe to the YouTube channel and to the podcast on your podcast service of choice. Uh, send us thumbs up, uh, positive reviews, all that stuff. And if you want to, you can come over and visit us on the Twitter. AJ, where can people find you? At a name for this too. That's number two. And you can, of course, find me at Zach Jones Live. That's Z-A-C-H-J-O-N-E-S-L-I-V-E. And that is going to do it for all of our shenanigans and poppycock this week. Please, please, please tune in again next week. Bye, guys. Take care.